Good morning, church family. We're reading from chapter, the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. And it came to pass, when the time was come, that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face, and they went, and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Oh, it's great to be back, although I have to say I had a wonderful time at Oshkosh. Now, if you know me well, I'm not particularly the camping type, although I've done my share of backpacking and camping in my time. But I have to say, 35,000 people, plenty of dust and noise, and I slept like a baby. Boom. A blessing, I know. I wanted to talk today about intention and intentionality. And the trick here is I'm not sure intentionality is really a word. I hear it used all the time. It's not a Bushism, incidentally. It predates uh, Bush. So, you know, take it for what it is. I'm going to use it as though it's a real word because I see it in print and I see it uh, often enough and I think you probably know exactly what it is. But just to kind of preliminarily define our terms, intention is something the road to hell is paved with. Have you heard that saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions, is what the saying says. In other words, intention is a desire or a preliminary determination on our part to do something. Intentionality is an adverbial form that would describe the way in which something is being done. So I hope you hear the difference there. It doesn't refer to something we want to do. It's describing the process or the way in which we're actually doing something with intention, intentionality. Now, I think it's an important thing to talk about just because it pertains so deeply, not just to everyday life, but to our spiritual lives. And I think if you think about intention very long, you'll know exactly what I mean. We intend all kinds of grand things for, let's see, 17 years, I have intended to have a garage I could park in. How many of you share that intention? How many of you have achieved it? Ah, two of you. We need to talk about what you've done intentionality-wise how you've accomplished that with intentionality in order to get your car in the garage. Let's see, for 
18 years, I've intended to organize certain photo albums. Anybody have boxes of photos sitting around that are useless to you? And you know how much that box weighs? It's like 47 pounds. You, you, you have to see the chiropractor every time you move because of that box of photos. Intention. And on a more spiritual level, we intend all sorts of things too, don't we? We intend to read a particular book of the Bible or to get through the Bible as a whole. We intend to keep the morning watch. Oh, I've been with Pathfinders lately, haven't I? We intend to structure our lives in such a way as to create space and time for relationship with God and others. We intend to have that nice neighbor we met four doors down over to our house, and it's been six years since we intended to do that. Am I speaking Greek, or is this your language? See, I hate to admit it, but my language is the language of good intentions. And I, it's a wonderful thing, good intentions. Because I get to persuade myself or try to persuade myself that good intentions make me a good person. Maybe you're self-deceived in the same way. I think the scripture is filled with intentions. Some of them give us positive examples and some of them give us negative examples. And we're going to see, hopefully, as we walk through those, that it's not what's intended, but what's done that counts. Now, I will say, in the matter of criminal justice, intention is important. If I see you in a crosswalk and speed up and aim for you, that is a very different thing than you blindly stepping off a curb behind a car and stepping in front of mine as I'm observing the speed limit and watching out for crosswalks. Intention there makes a gigantic difference even if the outcome is the same. Do you follow me? So intention is not an all bad thing. In fact, I think God uses intention. Intention is that sort of desire to to be somewhere to do something to accomplish something that we might not otherwise accomplish it helps us move toward the good sometimes in ways that we might not otherwise do but we need to be careful of it if you'll turn to genesis 37 you'll see my first example of intention and the way in which it works This is really the story of Joseph, but it's not in Genesis 37. In this particular part of 37, it's the story of Joseph's brothers, and Reuben in particular. You see, Reuben had intentions, and we're going to get to that in the story very quickly. Recall that Joseph was one of two brothers, child of Rachel, the beloved wife of Jacob, The other ten brothers were of Leah. And Joseph had been uh, having some strange dreams. You recall them. The sun, moon, and stars bowing down to him. Sheafs of harvested wheat bowing down to him. It was very problematic for Jacob and for the brothers because it really seriously appeared 
that Joseph thought they were going to worship him. Well, and as the story turns out, they do. Now his brothers had gone to gaze to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to them, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent them off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? And he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan, but when they saw him in the distance before he reached them, they plotted to kill him in tension. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands in tension. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed blood. Throw him into a cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father intention. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, richly ornamented robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him in the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, by the way, the meal that Joseph had delivered to them, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Joseph, uh, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed, we'll just sell him into slavery instead of killing him. Intention. To the Egyptians, no less. Intention. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? They got Joseph's robe slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it to see if it is your son's robe, not our brother's robe, your son's robe. He recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. What hypocrisy. Reuben had an intention. We'll put him in the cistern. When the others aren't looking, I'll pull him up out and send him on his way. But Reuben wasn't there when the Ishmaelite traders came by. And Joseph ended up in Egypt. 
probably not in that good a shape initially and in the house of Potiphar. Now the story is tremendously long. It goes almost to chapter 50. In fact, it goes to the end of Genesis because it tells us about how God uses all of these circumstances and misaligned intentions. You see, Reuben intended to rescue him, but intention is a dangerous thing because it's deferred. What Reuben should have done was what? Say to his brothers, are you out of your minds? Absolutely not. It will kill our father. You're sending him home. Deal with your anger another way. But he didn't stand up to his brothers. He didn't say what you're doing is wrong. He simply intended to do right. And how ironic that years later he would be bowing before a stranger who could take his life for an intention which, as it turns out, was relatively good. He intended, but he didn't do. And that is my story, and I am sure in many cases... That is your story. We intend good. We think something redemptive, but we don't act. We don't act. Another story of intention, one that I just love, is found in Numbers 21. This is a story familiar to many of you. It might be new to a couple of you. Excuse me, Numbers 24. Now, in Numbers 24, we're well into the story, which really starts in 22. A certain king hires a certain prophet of God to curse the people of God. Interesting intentions if we can shut the divine thing off somehow, if we can remove the protection of God from these people, if we can take away the blessing of God somehow and replace it with a curse, then all will be well with the enemies of Israel. And as you read the story, it's interesting. There's a negotiation. Balaam is hired, and his donkey talks to him on the way to carry out the first curse. And he's stupid enough to beat the animal. Never even occurs to him that his donkey just talked to him. He's only mad because it crushes his leg against a wall. He tries once, decides that maybe it's the location, changes location and tries twice. Changes location again and says, maybe God will let me curse Israel from this mountain instead of that one and tries a third time. And he cannot curse Israel. Only blessing can pour forth from his mouth. His intention is evil. 
Like Joseph's brothers, he's sold out for a few pieces of silver and he's going to send God's people down the river and God's, God won't have it. His intention is to do harm and God will not permit it. And it is so interesting because this is a prophet of the Lord. No lightning, no heart attack, no thing where you touch the ark and, and die instantly. He just gets to keep trying. I think that's because the Lord intended you and I to know just how patient he is and just how capable he is of thwarting our bad intentions. And finally, in 24, we come to this passage, and I love this. It's a biblical way of saying intended. Now, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel... Big surprise. He did not resort to sorcery as at other times, but he turned his face toward the desert. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came upon him and he uttered his oracle. How beautiful are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places, O Israel. May those who bless you be blessed and those who curse you be cursed. And that was definitely the Cliff Notes edition. What it says is he turned his face to the desert. What that describes in biblical language is intention. Balaam changed his intention. He reoriented his direction. He moved and set his face. What are we setting our faces on? Where have we directed our intention? And are we blessing those around us as we set this face of ours? Is God using us in the way that we would want to be used? Is God blessing others through us because we've set our face to the deserts, to the tents of Israel. We've determined that we're not going to curse his people metaphorically anymore. It's a fascinating story. One worth spending time with and I will again revisit it. But that brings us to today's text, today's reading in Luke chapter 9. Now you know by where it's found that we're not talking about Jesus' journey to Jerusalem just before his death. There is a journey Jesus makes to Jerusalem just before he is to die. And people advise him not to go. And he sets his face. But the language in the NIV is not as rich here as the King James in Luke 9:51 in the King James it says and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem have you heard that phrase that biblical phrase he set his face Jesus excuse me Jesus was determined 
he was determined to initiate and complete a ministry that would eventually take him to agony, to death. Where the NIV, I think, is rich here is it says in the NIV in 951, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Intention, resolution, all seems to be connected. He sent messengers on ahead who went into Samaritan village to get things ready for him, but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Now, this isn't related so much to Jesus' resoluteness, but there's opposition sometimes as we head the direction we're, we're supposed to go. You see, it was Samaritan practice apparently in the time not to be supportive of Jews who were headed to Jerusalem for the festivals and feasts. And so this village rejected the opportunity to host the Lord and to make way and provision for him on his journey. And the disciples are ready to invoke Balaam's curses. The disciples are ready to say, don't you you want to deal with this? They've dissed you. And Jesus says, I haven't come to cause trouble. I haven't come to make their lives miserable or to destroy. I've come to do something much more constructive. And they found another village to go to. Intention. You know the story from here. Jesus begins his ministry in great earnestness. Miracles are performed. People are agitated. The balance of powers are upset. Wheels are set in motion that will eventually create so much tension politically and socially that his life will be taken from him. He will be sacrificed. But he set his face and he knew what the glory to come was. He set his face and it was not yet time for him to ascend. He knew what the outcome would be, but he also knew what the final destination was. We, God's people, need to move toward the day of resurrection and of his coming with the intention to do what God calls us to do not just intending to be generous or faithful in tithes and offerings, but doing it. Not just intending to serve God and saying, well, maybe when I'm done with this or through with that, but doing it. Not just intending to connect with somebody in the community you know who could use a friend, who might provide you at some point an opportunity to share the joy of a relationship with Christ, but making the connection. Not just waiting for God to accomplish something spectacular in you so that you can do what you think you want to do, but being faithful to do everything that he calls you to do, because in that he might be preparing you for the spectacular. 
moving through life not with intention, but moving, that's the key word, with intentionality. Letting the grace of God motivate and draw and lead and guide and we will evermore be his people. And so, Lord, align us with your will and make our intention, movement, intentional, movement with intentionality that we might ever fulfill your purposes in our lives. And so bless your people. Amen.